May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Do sit down, please. It's always a bit of a risk preaching a sermon, and sometimes that risk is going up into a rickety old pulpit that has more woodworm than wood in it. Uh, I've never had a water feature quite as such a risk, so... um, and a trip hazard, I see, has been placed there just to... <laughs> so, uh, yeah, if I wander too far forward, do feel free to shout out, watch out or something. But it's lovely to be with you today for this uh, really important service and my first visit to Holy Trinity. And, of course, as a bishop in this diocese, one of the things I do is visit churches all over the county, uh, and we have a lot of them, don't we? And I'm always a little bit fascinated by what it is that congregations sit looking at throughout the service. In some of our churches, there's a beautiful medieval rood screen, um, or it might be a crucifix that's hanging, or a stained glass window. You have a, a lovely wooden carving of the Last Supper. And when I was growing up, I started to going, going to church when I was about 15, and the church that I went to in South London had... Um, around its chancel arch, it had a text from the Bible, and it was Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, which I'm sure you'll recognize. Come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I often give thanks to God that that was the text that was written on the chancel arch, because you can think of some things that would have been less inviting, but I tend to feel that that text, because I sat reading it so many times through those formative years in my life, had a real impact uh, on my faith and how I think of God. And it's a text that's all about God's invitation to us. God beckons us to come and to receive the peace that he wishes us to have. And I thought about that this morning, uh, reading our first lesson from Isaiah 55, because it has that word come repeated throughout the reading. Certainly in the first couple of lines, it's repeated three times, that invitation from God to come those who are thirsty and have water, to come those who have no money to be given uh, food to eat free of charge, to come to buy wine without money. I think that idea of the God who invites us Uh, is a wonderful image of God. God who says to us, come uh, and receive my peace. Come and receive all that you need to live your lives. And actually, a little bit later in the service, as a kind of prelude um, to the confirmation prayer, uh, I will say some words from Isaiah to each of our candidates. God has called you by name and made you his own. And again, it's that idea of God inviting us, God calling us, and what the Isaiah quote adds is that God calls us by name. And for me, that means that God knows each of us as a unique individual. God knows all our strengths and all our weaknesses. God knows the things that give us joy and the things that cause uh, hardship to us. He knows what our dreams are what our hopes are, and God knows what our fears are as well. God knows the things of which we 
are maybe proud in our lives and the things of which we're a little bit ashamed. So God calls us with a, a perfect uh, a perfect knowledge of each of us as the individuals that we are. And, of course, that could sound a little threatening and daunting that God knows us inside out. You know, he knows all the bad part that's in us as well as the good part. Um, but the God who invites us uh, in that, in that uh, line from Isaiah is the God who wants to uh, beckon us towards him to give us peace. And in our passage from Isaiah, all those words about coming to God all lead up to that wonderful description at the end of God's mercy, which is so much broader and deeper and wider than anything that we can imagine. So the invitation to come to God, uh, to the God who knows us inside out, shouldn't be a frightening one because the God who calls us and invites us is a God whose mercy is greater than anything we can possibly imagine. So that idea of uh, God as the God who invites us is picked up, isn't it, in Jesus' life and ministry. Uh, One of the things that Jesus often says is come. And, of course, the classic and perhaps the the most frequent words on the lips of Jesus are follow me. And I suppose what that leads us to is a notion that our faith is a journey. It's an invitation to come on a journey with Jesus Christ, to follow him, all the days of our life. And I love that image of faith as a journey. And today, for those who have been baptized and confirmed, this is a really crucial moment on your journey of faith. And it's wonderful that all these people are here to support you with their prayers. Faith is a journey. And as we read the Gospels, um, I think we find huge reassurance, or at least I do, in reading the Gospels. Because you can begin to think, can't you, that When you're confirmed, you need to know all the answers that there are. You need to have a a full understanding of everything that faith entails. And of course, none of us really feel like that, do we? We all have questions. We all have maybe some uncertainties, things that we don't yet understand. We we understand enough to know that, that Jesus is the one who we want to follow, the one who will give us life, who will give us forgiveness, who will show us God's mercy. We know all of that but we still come with our questions. And and as you read the stories of the Gospels, the disciples are are called to follow Jesus, and they spent all that time closely with him. But they were a pretty dim-witted bunch, weren't they, the disciples? They didn't actually get it straight away. And so many of the stories in the Gospels have the disciples struggling to understand, asking questions, going down the wrong track in understanding what Jesus was about. Of course, the, the one who stands out, I suppose, above all others is Peter. Uh, he's often the fool guy, uh, the one who just doesn't quite understand what Jesus is about. So um, on the Mount of Transfiguration, when uh, Moses and Elijah appear with Jesus, it's Peter who says, shall I, build, shall I get some tents to, you know, some shelter for these people? He, he just doesn't quite understand what's happening, and he often launches in uh, with a with a misunderstanding of what God is doing in front of him. And when Jesus offers to wash the disciples' feet, Peter, you know, no, you can't wash my feet. I should be washing yours. And, And Jesus says, no, no, I must wash your feet. And so Peter, being the enthusiast, says, well, wash all of me then, Lord. And Jesus has to say, look, calm down. I'm just going to do your feet. And um, so 
The Gospels give us this picture of Jesus' invitation to follow him. Uh, But what's reassuring is that those who spent all their time with Jesus didn't have all their questions answered immediately. Uh, They recognized that there were still things for them to learn, that, that that sense of faith as a journey, we know enough to find that in Jesus is the way to to fullness of life. But it doesn't mean that everything is closed off and answered for us. We are invited to go on a journey with God uh, into a deeper understanding of his love for us. And that idea of faith as a journey, well, of course, in any journey, there are times that when the journey is easy and where there's much joy, and that's true for the Christian journey, There can be times when God's presence feels very, very real to us. God feels very near, and we experience real blessings in our lives. Uh, We are surrounded by people who love us. Uh, We have purposeful things to do with our lives. We uh, have a sense of just God's grace and generosity in in the beauty of the world he has given us. There are times like that when the journey is easy, and we should just give thanks to God for those times. But there are also times when the journey is difficult, uh, and Christian faith doesn't make us immune from those difficulties, and you saw a little bit of that in the gospel reading, that quite difficult gospel reading in Luke. But one of the things I think it, it is there to tell us is that the world is not the kind of place where bad things only happen to bad people, and only good things happen to good people. It's not that simple a world. It's not the the world that God has created. And so it's not surprising that those of us who come to faith in Jesus Christ and commit our lives to following him will recognize that there are times when the journey is difficult, when life and faith is a struggle. Let me tell you about a time when I went on a, a rather difficult journey. You probably can think of similar ones yourself. But a few years ago now, I was um, up in the Lake District, and I had been invited to go on a a training conference with some other bishops. And uh, in the program, there was an afternoon when we were going to have some free time, so I took my walking boots with me, thinking, going to be in the Lake District, good opportunity. And sure enough, on that afternoon, uh, the son of the person who ran the conference centre asked if any of us would like to go and climb one of the fells. And so a little enthusiastic group of us met in the the lobby after lunch, all kitted out with our boots on, uh, and he said to us, does anyone have any ideas of where you'd like to go? Well, nobody said anything, so rather uncharacteristically, I I spoke up and I said, "Um, well, there is a a fell just outside of where we were staying uh, called Luffrig, and um, when I was 15 years old, I think it was just before I did my GCSEs or O-levels in those days, uh, I went up to the Lake District with a, a group of three friends and we had a holiday youth hostelling around. And we got the, the coach up from, from London and as soon as we arrived, we put our rucksacks on our back and the first fell that we climbed was Luffrig. And uh, we kind of scooted up it and off we went. So I thought, wouldn't it be lovely to climb Luffrig again? So off we set And the thing I hadn't quite factored in was there's a bit of a difference between climbing when you're 15 and climbing when you're 55. And um, although I do a lot of walking, I take my dog for a walk most days, 
Norfolk doesn't actually give you much training in hill climbing, does it? And it was an extraordinary afternoon. Um, the guy who took us said, the weather's going to be fine. Don't ever believe someone in the Lake District when they say that. Because as soon as we got a little way up the hill, uh, the heavens opened, the wind blew up, and it was the most extraordinary and exhausting journey. Now, there were a few keen uh, bishops who just kind of shot up to the top, but we won't talk about them. I was, I was in the group bringing up the rear, and uh, there were about half a dozen of us. And, uh, and it was one of those journeys where every so often one of us would just feel like giving up and would sit down and just sort of, oh, I don't think I can do any more. And the others would come back and we'd rally round and we'd encourage and we'd get the person moving. And sometimes that was me, sometimes it was one of the others. Uh, my, my, my chest was heaving, my thighs were burning. Uh, it was an exhausting journey uh, and it was just a wonderful sense of achievement when we got to the top and I realised I hadn't died because <laughs> at times it felt like that. But as I think about that, as I've thought about that uh, experience, uh, which I have done quite frequently, the um, thing is about that journey, I know in my heart that I would not have done it if I'd been on my own. I know I would have given up and gone back. You know, that's just the kind of person I am, I suppose. I don't have that strong will in those situations. And it was only the fact that I was doing that journey with others, that I had their encouragement, their support, um, that sense of, you know, when one of us felt weak and wanted to give up, the others kind of carried them through. And it struck me that that is a wonderful image for us of the journey of faith, because we are not called to make this journey on our own. We're called to make the journey of faith together. And the wonderful thing for those who are taking an important step on their journey of faith today is that you do so in the company of friends and helpers. We share the journey with our church family. And being part of a church family is a wonderful gift, isn't it? Because there are times for all of us in our lives when maybe we feel a little bit distant from God or we're we're going through some particular hardship in our life and it can be really hard to say our prayers. And, and at moments like that, we need the prayers and the friendship and the support of our fellow Christians, those who are making the journey of faith with us. And God gives us this wonderful gift of his church. I mean, people sometimes say, you know, well, surely you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. Well, and on one sense, in one sense that true is true, you know, the, the key thing about our Christian faith is our relationship with Jesus Christ. But we are foolish if we spurn the gift of his church, that sense of a community of fellow pilgrims, fellow travellers, who are making the journey with us and can help us when that journey is hard for us. So I've always held on to that lovely image of the mountain climb and the sense in which I know I wouldn't have been able to do that journey on my own but I give thanks that on that occasion I had some friends with me and I give thanks as well that, that my own faith journey has been in company uh, with others of God's people. I guess there are also times when even with all the fellowship we experience in church, the friendship and the support, there can be times when we feel so isolated, when we feel so alone, when we just don't feel able to share with others, when we don't 
perhaps we've lost contact with people for a while, when we just feel that we are alone on our journey. And the wonderful thing is that God makes another promise to us and gives us another gift, and that is the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's there at the heart of our confirmation service today. As the candidates kneel before me, and I pray for them, it is a prayer for the Holy Spirit. And God gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit as a helper on our journey. And in John's Gospel, there's some beautiful chapters in the middle of the Gospel where Jesus speaks about the Spirit that will follow after he leaves his disciples. And the gift of the Spirit comes to be a guide and an encourager, a strength and a helper. Talks about the way that the Spirit will lead us into all the truth, will remind us of all the things that Jesus uh, said and did, and how the Spirit will interpret our prayers. God grants us the gift of the Holy Spirit to be our constant companion on the journey of faith. However far we might feel removed from our fellowship in the church, however much our problems may just seem so personal and uh, unique to us, the wonderful promise of the Spirit is that we are never truly alone, that God is always present with us by his Spirit, and the Spirit is sent to help us on our journey. Well, it is a wonderful privilege in my ministry to uh, come and confirm people. I've been confirming this week in Norwich Prison uh, and in Wyndham College, and I'm confirming later this week in other churches, but today it's a, a delight to come and confirm our candidates who are here this morning. And we come to be confirmed into a faith of a God who invites us and welcomes us. In Jesus, he calls us to follow him, to go on that journey. And on that journey, we have uh, the company of our friends within God's people. We are not called to make that journey alone. But even in those moments where we do feel truly alone, we are given the gift of the Spirit to help us, to guide us, and to strengthen us. So may God bless you as you take this important step on your journey of faith today. And may God bless and help each of us as we journey on with Jesus. May we grow ever deeper in our understanding and our experience of the mystery of God's love for us. Amen.